Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. We have a great time Wednesday night with our missionaries, the McFarlands from Ireland. It was crazy, man. We took them to, to the homeless house out here to do a little tour. They had a little time, and so... We, uh, we, we took them out there to see it, and it was uh, fascinating because that house was owned by a guy named Burnside who was from Ireland, and uh, there was a big map of Ireland inside the house. I never even knew that, and uh, they were checking it out. And they found, so we had Burnside, right, the street, the road, and uh, Burnside owned that house, and there was a Burnside in northern Ireland close to Belfast. And so they just had all kinds of things to say, and they were, they were interested. But just a great, amazing service, powerful, deep flow of the Holy Ghost here Wednesday night. And uh, we love the McFarlands, and thank you for giving and helping them, and we were able to be a blessing to them. Uh, today I've got kind of a, it's kind of a heavy word, but it, it is helpful and full of hope. But uh, it deals with us in some difficult situations. If you'll look with me to Joshua chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 18 to 26. At the end of the service, we are going to pray for Greg and Angela, the family. Greg has a book that is coming out. And uh, I looked at the proof. Yeah, that's awesome. Come on now. That ain't easy. And we're going to be praying for them and believing God's going to do a, an awesome work in, in their lives. And God's going to use Greg to, uh, to really do some powerful things. God's, one year ago, Super Bowl Sunday, baptized Greg and Angela right over here in Jesus' name. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Greg came up with tears in his eyes. and You know how I am. I bowed up after baptizing him. I'm like, who's next? And Angela came up. She's like, I am. It was pretty cool, pretty cool. Joshua 7, then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell him now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw the spoils, among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with them took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor, and Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you today. 
So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. That Achor means trouble, the Valley of Trouble. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, A Door of Hope. A Door of Hope. You may be in your Valley of Trouble today, but I want to tell you something. God's made a door of hope in that Valley of Trouble. I want to preach about it. Let's say a prayer right now. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, your kindness. I thank you for these people gathered here together, t- together in your name, Lord. And I pray that you'd anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear, God. Reveal things. Drop it from our head to our heart, God. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Joshua 6... We have the amazing story of the children of Israel taking Jericho. They marched around those walls just like Joshua had instructed them to do. They did it. And they kept their mouths shut just like he told them to do. And the priests were marching out in front just like he told them to do. And on the seventh time around, on the seventh day, the priests blew their shofars and the people shouted just like he told them to do and the walls came crashing down. It was awesome. We just sang about it. The walls came crashing down. It was astounding. It was awesome. But in Joshua 7, we also have the devastating story of Achan who personally took stuff from Jericho. You see, Jericho was the first city in the promised land. The children of Israel were instructed to take this city, but to not personally take anything from this city because the spoils of this first city belonged to the Lord. Some things they they would take, the silver and the gold, and they would use them for the construction, for, for the temple and for things like that. But other things they were to burn. Accursed things, they were to burn. And so Jericho was the first fruits of the promised land. The tithe, if you will. And they were to give it to the Lord. They were to take it and give it to the Lord. And Achan disobeyed the command and he stole from the Lord. He got this Babylonian garment, about eight pounds of silver and almost two pounds of gold. The silver was worth several thousand dollars. The gold was worth even more. It was literally crafted, though. It was a piece of art, so it may have been worth much more. And one writer said the silver and gold was worth more than a year's worth of salary for ten shepherds. So it was quite a sum of money. It's easy to see why Achan was tempted to take these. I'll have some fun. I'll have a little cushion. I'll have a nest egg. He wanted it. But then there was also the Babylonian garment. It was elaborate. It was designed and tailored by Babylon's best. It's said to have been embroidered with silk and strands of gold. Josephus makes it sound as if the whole thing was was woven, was made entirely of gold. It was certainly valuable, valuable, but it also had religious significance. It it was from 
from Babylon. It literally means a Babylonian garment. It literally means a mantle of Shinar. It was this wide, loose-fitting robe, and it had images of people and animals and, and, and deities. That was the, the way they were made back in those days, and it, that, that was woven into it. it. It was from the heart of false religion and paganism, and that is Babylon. From Genesis to Revelation, we see this. It represented another world with other gods, gods who were not as strict or demanding as Jehovah, the one true and living God. Gods who were more lenient, gods who encouraged their, in, 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 um, their adherence to indulge the flesh. Do what you want to do. It doesn't matter. Now, Achan's parents had died in the wilderness because of their failure at Kadesh Barnea and the harshness of the one true and living God. He, he's a God who has a narrow way. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And so this narrow God had essentially wiped out a generation in the wilderness because of their failure to walk in that narrow way. But Babylon offered a wide road, a wide road. And with this garment, Achan could clothe himself as a Babylonian. It was like Adam's fig leaf. It represented man-made religion. I'll do it myself. I'll do it my way. I'll cover myself. It did not include the blood of a lamb and faith in the one true and living God saying, Lord, I need help. Please deliver me. Please save me. To Achan, all of this was just too much to pass up. And so he took it and he leaned into his doubts like I preached last week. And he left his faith. He resisted his faith and leaned into his doubts and his flesh and, and we saw in our reading the results were tragic. As Israel attempted to take Ai, the next city, in the promised land, they were abruptly rebuffed and 36 Hebrews lost their lives. Think about that. It's easy to gloss over that. But 36 families lost a husband, lost a daddy, lost a son, lost a fiancé. All because of the disobedience and the disillusionment of one man, Achan. Israel's victory was sabotaged by Achan, first of all, looking in the wrong direction, looking at the wrong stuff. And, and just like Adam and Eve, like Eve looked at that fruit and it was good to the eye and it looked good to taste. He, he longed for the wrong stuff and he ended up taking it and it ended up costing Israel Dearly, Joshua sought the Lord and soon it was revealed, Achan's the problem. Achan's the problem. So he and his possessions, even his animals, his tent, all his stuff, everything's brought to the valley of Achor. Some scholars say that it's possible that the children were brought, his kids were brought to witness the execution of his father. Other scholars say the kids were included. Everybody was thrown in and stones were thrown at them and the entire family was executed. Either way, we know this, Acor means trouble. This was a valley of trouble. The NIV calls it a valley of disaster. That sounds like a, a disaster to me. The valley of Acor was a place of trouble and disaster and failure. It was filled with the stench of burning flesh and charred skeletons. 
death, and destruction. And when the dust all cleared, it was just a heap of ruins. Everybody say ruins. Now let me just bring this home now. There are times when you and I have messed up in our lives royally. Messed up, tripped up, slipped up. And we entered into a valley of trouble, a place of trouble. And when the dust settled, there was a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Can I get an amen? And sometimes the stuff that happened to us was not our fault. Think about Aiken's family. They lost everything, and it wasn't even their fault. They were the collateral damage of Aiken's failure. When a mighty oak falls, there's a lot of damage that takes place with those smaller trees around it. Maybe what happened in your life was not your fault. Maybe it was in your family. The, uh, a family disaster took place. There was church trouble. You walked through a valley of church trouble and you were damaged as a result. Maybe it was a financial difficulty that came because of the economy or somebody did you wrong and your world collapsed. You didn't ask for what happened. You were the victim. But the bottom line is this. We have those places where things just went wrong for whatever reason. And on the inside, it's like a nuclear bomb exploded. There's a debris field. There's piles of rubble and trouble and brokenness. There's just empty places and hollow places and charred flesh and charred remains. It's just a brutal reality. But I've got good news for you. The book of Hosea 2.15 says this. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Woo! She shall sing there as in the days of her youth and in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. I serve a God who knows how to take you through the valley of the shadow of death and in the middle of that valley make a door of hope in that trouble. And where there was death, there can be life. Where there was no song, there can be a song. And when he gets done with it, there's abundance and production and provision. Come on, give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. You believe that? I believe it so strong. I, I just feel the Holy Ghost right here. I told the Lord I didn't want to preach this message. It's filled with such negative images. But you know what? That's how life is. We don't live in a rose garden. Everything doesn't always go our way. If you do, you just need to live about 10 more minutes because your world's going to fall apart. You believe that, Mr. Ray? Believe it. Isaiah 65, 10. Listen to this. Sharon shall be a fold of flocks in the valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down for my people who have sought me. Notice this, as they sought him, God turned the valley of trouble into a place of nourishment. 
and refreshing. I serve a God who knows how to take the life-stealing places in your world and turn them into life-giving places where you are fed and nourished once again. The word says that when the heavens are brass because of our failure and when there is no production and there's a famine in the land because of our failure, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And listen, he said, I will heal their land. I will forgive them and heal their land. God knows how to take those brutal places and turn them around. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying, but if you want your situation to turn around, the first step is just turn to Jesus first. God's not afraid of your trouble. He doesn't freak out and get scared and skedaddle when the trouble hits. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, even though the earth is removed, my world is blown away, the mountains are carried in the midst of the sea, and the, 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 the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. God is my refuge in my street, a very present help. He's with you right in the middle of your trouble. Isn't that good news? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say, I'm with you in the good times, but when it gets bad, I'm out of here. No. That's how the devil works. Lures you in, lets you just suffer. God's like, I'm with you. I'll be with you. Turn, seek me. I'll turn this. You think this is the end of the road. You think this valley you're in, this disaster is the end of the road. No, it's not. I've turned. I'm going to open a door right in the middle of it, and you're going to step into a new season. Some of you need to hear me. You're about to step into a new season. Your season of trouble and pain and anguish, I don't care whose fault it is, it's about to end and God is opening a door and you're fixing to run through some fields of grace and mercy and power and renewal and strength. Give him some praise. It's amazing to me. Listen to this psalm. Psalm 107. Notice the door of hope in the valley of trouble in each of these stanzas. Psalm 107, 4 through 6. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. It was their fault. But as they walked through the trouble, they cried out to the Lord and he delivered them. 10 through 16. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death Bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They felt down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble 
and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Somebody's chains are going to get broken today. Come on now, somebody's going to get free today. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Somebody's going to get set free today. Not because you're so smart, but because he's so good and so merciful. All you got to do is be smart enough to turn to him. Oh, that men would bless his name. Isn't that great? Open the door of hope in the middle of a valley of trouble. 17 through 22. Fools! What? Huh? Did I say Valerie? Boy, that's Freudian. I walked that back. Dear God, and <laughs> that is so Freudian. Devil is a liar. I just got out of the valley of trouble. There's a door of hope that opened up for me in my valley of trouble. 17 through 22. Fools. Because of their transgression and because of their iniquity were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. When you're in the valley of trouble... Just turn to him, man, and begin to give him thanks and praise and sacrifice and your praise and your word. I don't feel like it. Who cares? He's worthy. Praise him. Watch that door begin to open. Watch those chains begin to break as you begin to worship him in the middle of that trouble. That trouble becomes an opportunity for a door to open. It's amazing. Walking through that trouble. The devil's whispering to you saying it's all over. Nothing's going to come out of this. This is the end of it. You're done. You're cooked. You're toast. It's over. And you just begin to say, oh, God, please. I wish you would turn my way and hear my prayer. I'm yielding myself. I'm submitting myself once again to you. And watch a door begin to open. And the chains begin to break. And God begins to make a way where there seems to be no way. And puts a song in your heart hallelujah come on praise him right now I'll never forget one time I was praying for a man around the front. He was crying. I said, man, God can help you. God can deliver you. God can save you. I don't know what you're going through. And he was crying, and through his tears, he told me about how 
the, the most tragic, disastrous story, how his wife had run off with his father, and it was just this terrible, ter and it shocked me. I was young. It, it blew me away. I'd never heard anything like that. I'm like, man, you know, oh, I, I didn't know what to say. My, uh, you know, I didn't know how to pray. We can get ourselves in so much trouble, can't we? It doesn't matter what the trouble is, though. I serve a God. To say he's a genius is an understatement. But he knows. And I'll tell you something else. He knew in advance. He knows. He's reverse engineered things. You're like, there's no way out. He's like, I know a way. If you'll just turn to me, I know a way. You can't rely on Siri. You can't rely on Google Maps. You certainly can't rely on Apple Maps. They'll take you to a dead end. But my Jesus, when you get to that dead end, he knows how to find the living way, right? He's like, I know how to make a way where there seems to be. You don't think you can cross this river? Watch what I can do. You don't think you can get over that mountain? I'll move the mountain, baby. I know how to take care of you. I know how to get you where you need to be. Just turn to me. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll open a door of hope in your valley of trouble. Man, door of hope in the valley of trouble. 26 through 30, Psalm 107. They mount up to the heavens. They go down. That sounds good, but it's really not. It's talking about being on a, a rough sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their ship is tossed. Their soul melts because of trouble. You ever had your soul melt? It's like, oh, can't sleep. Don't know what to do. Don't want to get out the house. They can't face anybody. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man. These are not drunk as you suppose. This, this is not speaking of drunk in the Holy Ghost. This is staggering and, and, and just stumbling around like somebody inebriated because of trouble. They are at their wit's end, wandering aimlessly. Don't know what to do. Notice this though. Then... They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. Just like that. That they're at their wits end. When you get to your wits end, you're at the beginning of faith, man. When you say, I can't figure this one out, just call on the name of the Lord and watch what God can do. He delivered them out of their trouble. Out of all their distresses, he calmed the storm. And its waves are still then they are glad and they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. I wish somebody in this house would give thanks to the Lord for a God like that. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, now he specializes in making a door open up in the middle of your trouble. In the valley of trouble, he can open a door. Would you stand with me right now?
in Israel, as generations built on the ruins of previous generations, big mounds were formed. They're called tells. They are artificial hills. They are mounds of accumulated ruins. I think I've got a picture of that. They are mounds. Well, my pick didn't come out as good as I hoped. That's in Megiddo. There, there's an airstrip back there. We were right there looking at it. This is from Mount Carmel. And, and, and there, there's, a, there's a tell there. It's just mounds of accumulated ruins, generationally accumulated. Just accumulated. One generation fails, destroyed. Another generation builds on top. It's destroyed. Another generation builds. And eventually you have these hills. They're all over Israel. Mounds of accumulated generational ruins. In Israel, the most well-known tell is Tel Aviv. It's Israel's second largest city. In Hebrew, Tel Aviv literally means ruins spring, as in springtime, the season. It connotes the idea from the ruins comes renewal. From death comes life. God intercepted the transmission of Babylon's values from Terah to Abram. Disrupted the enemy's plans for Abraham and his family. Ruined them. And building on the ruins of generations past, he brought life. He brought a new season to Abraham's life. Israel, Valley of Achor, disaster. But God interrupted that generations of disaster and said, I'm going to build on these ruins. I'm going to bring a door of hope to this place. A new season has, has come. Somebody say that right now. Say, my season has changed. Come on, say it again. My season has changed. I'm entering into a new season. Out of my ruins comes life. Somebody's got a Tel Aviv that's breaking out of this place. Listen, Calvary... Calvary was a place of ruin, but an empty grave was a place of life. Talk about the ultimate Tel Aviv. God knows how to do it, y'all. Your trouble has not scared him off. He's not left the building because you're in trouble. He says, if you'll turn to me, I'll work a miracle, man. I've done it in the past, and I can do it again. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. For your word, Lord. For the challenge, for the, for the encouragement and the hope that I feel in this place today, God. A door of hope is opening up right now. Hallelujah. I tell you what I wish. I wish I had doors all around the front. I wish I had gone to Home Depot and bought 50 doors. Brought them up here and then returned them tomorrow, of course. Look at the price of doors, but... I had them up here, and, 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 but I don't. So you got to use your imagination. If you're wanting to walk out of some trouble and into a new season, we're just going to come up, and as you come up, you, you just need to see yourself. You're walking through a door. 
You're walking out of a valley of trouble and in through a door that God put in that valley and into a new season of life and peace and provision. You don't have to know how He's going to do it. You just got to trust Him. He knows what He's doing. He specializes in this kind of stuff. As they begin to play this, I, I want you right now, if that's you, I want you to get up here quick. Run through that door. Run through that door in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.